0: welcome to for the love of dharma i'm so happy you're here my name is heather love and i'm one of the first certified dharma coaches in the world this podcast will help you be more joyful remember your purpose and live life on your terms get ready to get inspired here we go hi friends i hope you are doing well and taking care of yourselves October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so here's your reminder to make your health a priority if you've been slacking on preventative care. You can't show up for others if you aren't at your best, so be a good example to the women and girls in your life and make sure you're taking care of you. I'm happy to bring you another fun conversation today. Monica Schweman is a former teacher who has learned a lot about herself on this journey of life and has found her true essence she now helps others do the same. In this episode, we talk about some heavy hitters like unconditional love, codependency, and shadow work. These are definitely some topics that you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's welcome Monica to the show. Hi, Monica. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm so glad Hi. you're here today.
1: I'm excited. I'm really excited. I, I can't love wait. doing podcasts.
0: They're so much fun. I love to meet new people and I get to talk to people from all over the world. So it's
1: really just an amazing thing that I get to do. That's amazing. Yeah. It adds to our toolbox, you know, getting to know so many people.
0: Before we get started, I like to ask my guests to either select blue or red, and I will select a random question from either a red book or a blue book. Oh, how exciting. (laughs) Um, I got to go with red. It's my favorite color. When I was a kid, red was my favorite color. Now it's I mean, Tiffany blue. <laughs> Tiffany blue. <laughs> all right. What, speaking of colors, what color combination
1: do you love together? I really love red and green. And it's one of those people think Christmas all the time when you have red and green. But my wedding colors were like an apple green and like a wine red. And they just go so good together. And so, I I think I like the um, they're complementary colors, and so I really like that opposites because I'm all about that duality in life.
0: Oh, I love that! Yeah, Yeah, now that I've been starting my own business, I've really been paying more attention to like the color wheel and things that go together because of branding and all of that. And so I can just picture those two colors, and they sound beautiful. All right, I would love for you to tell my listeners what was young Monica like as a child? what was your
1: personality like? what did you like to do? Uh, young Monica was uh, big energy. She often got told that she was a lot, right She was a little too much for um, for people because I'm 40 and so when when we were younger, you know now we try we're coming into this age where we're trying to embrace. Children for who they are. But when I was a kid, sometimes it was almost like better seen, not heard. Right. And that was hard for me. I was very excited. I was very happy most of the time, up until a certain age, you know, when trauma started hitting me. But before five and under, I was just I, full of life, you know, um, really quick witted, really aware of my surroundings all the time. I liked to just. I liked to play. Um, I really liked climbing trees. I, I mean, I was very, I guess, if you had to classify, very tomboyish as a kid. It took me a long time actually to step into my feminine energy uh, later in my life because I was just who I was, and I just loved talking to people. And honestly, I was so aware that I loved listening to adults talk because I just felt like I could get it, you know. And sometimes I didn't feel like. I related to the the children that were my age mm, at that time. That's
0: interesting. Yeah. I, I was always told I was mature for my age, but that was like later, you know, more like teenage years. I think when I was like five,
1: I found adults very boring. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I was that kid that was like sitting there pretending to play and listening to everything that they were saying. <laughs> I love that. So do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up when you were that age? I wanted to be a teacher and I um I am. And that is, I remember, I don't know why. I wanted to be a teacher and an artist. I remember being five, and my uncle, who's passed away when I was younger, he I remember drawing this face and he was like got so excited about it. He was like, Oh my gosh, and he's like showing my mom, and he's like, She's an artist. And he used to have all these oil pastels I used to play with. And and from that moment, I was like, Oh, I guess I'm good at this. And so I remember always. Wanting to be an artist as well. And then he passed when I was like, God, I think I was like seven or eight. And I just held on to those words, you know.
0: Sometimes all it takes is one person to believe in you and it sets you on a whole path to a, a place you would have never gone on your own.
1: No, it's so true. <laughs> um, we don't know how we affect people, <laughs> you know, one sentence, one like uh, line of encouragement, you know. Yeah, it really. It is funny what sticks with you. And being a teacher, I always try to keep that in mind, you know, how you can affect kids. They, I mean, they say all, all a child needs is one relationship. It's such a good reminder because I
0: think we forget how much we can impact somebody and that can go positive or negative, right? I like to stay on the positive side, but but one thing from one person said one time, and that can just change your whole life. So that's really beautiful. So you mentioned you're a teacher. I know you're also an energy healer. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey to get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um it's been quite the journey. You know, I as a kid, you know, I started getting some traumatic things coming. You know, my parents were divorced and when I was two and I had something happen to me when I was five, and I had people close to me die, and I just really started. I had a lot of trauma building up in my life. I mean, if you know anything about like the ACEs score, which is, I mean, mine's high. It's really high. And I had a lot of angst in my teenage years. Uh, my stepbrother committed suicide when I was 16. Mm. Um, and I started, I mean, I really started drinking and doing some things at a very, very young age, trying to really, honestly, it was trying to like shut my brain up. I remember like just trying to shut my brain down. It was always on and it was always going. And I I mean, because I am very intelligent, you know, as a kid and I'm very aware, like I had mentioned. And so and I feel like I might have what they classify these days as an ADHD brain. Mm -hmm. okay So it's very all over the place. And so anyway, I, you know, going through my teenage years, I was partying quite a lot. I remember the moment I decided to go to college. I was sitting on my friend's back bed sleeping and I was like, God, I don't want to be like this the rest of my life. Like, what can I do? And I was like, "Oh, I could go to college," <laughs> and so I went and told my mom, and I think she applied for me, honestly, and I like got in. And okay, so I did two degrees in four years, art and wow. and it felt good to complete that. And I mean, I was still kind of partying in college, and you know, I got out of college and lived in Austin for a year and broke an engagement, and it moved me to Montana. Well, it didn't, but I chose. I had already quit my job. So I was like, okay, I can either A, restart here in Austin, where it's really hard to live as an art philosophy major teaching preschool, or I can move to Montana because my family had moved back to Montana and I chose to move to Montana. And it was the best decision I ever made. Um, I had ACL tickets, so I crashed on my friend's couch for like two months, (laughs) (laughs) went to ACL, Tom Petty sent me off and I drove up to Montana. This place has changed my life. I got here and I was 26. No, I was 24. I started bartending and one thing Montana really started teaching me is that I could have a bad day. Okay. So in Texas, there's Southern hospitality and I'm not going to knock it. But a lot of that is you keep it, you keep it hidden. Okay. Like if stuff's going on, you do not air it. You don't air your dirty laundry and that's fine. But when I got to Montana, the, like one of the first realizations was like, oh my God, we can have a bad day. Like, I can tell you I'm having a bad day and it's Okay. Like, oh my gosh. That, and it was just this awesome realization. And I, I used to always think I was a really good person, honestly, in my head, because my heart was in the right place. And then I had the realization of, oh my gosh, you really, it's not that you're not a good person, but you're not really making the decisions the way you think you are. You're not as kind as you really thought you were. You know, I was, I could manipulate people to get what I wanted and I wasn't doing it on purpose, but it was like a realization of like, oh my gosh, I'm doing that. And so I moved to Montana and I start dating this addict as well. And I start going to Al-Anon. And my other third realization that I had was that I was codependent. And I didn't know that. And that was like, oh my gosh. Like It was this eye-opening moment of like, wow, I'm living my life to please people. And that changed my life. And I was about 26 at that time. I remember my 26th birthday was a big milestone for me. I um, was dating this addict. And he, it was a bad night. It wasn't good. And I wasn't an addict. I wasn't doing, I was, I'd already done, you know, I was actually coming. I was drinking, but that was about it. And I I, I woke up the next morning and changed my locks and kicked him out and really started. That was my rock bottom. And, you know, they say you have to hit rock bottom. And I did. That was my rock bottom of like, I am not a dumb person. What is going on? I am not. And so I started, my life started to, I started to rebuild it a little bit after that. And I really like you know everything we used to be i was like nope i'm going to be this person right it's like you, you push it aside and you're like okay and then i met my my husband now and we ended up getting pregnant pretty early in our relationship and i had my first daughter and that is the moment that is the moment it'll make me cry cuz i tell her that she changed my quality of life right um, that is the moment i start i was like i've got to start really working on my healing like i've got to be a better person for this Child, you know, like I don't want them to grow up in a drinking household. I don't want them to grow up the way I grew up, and I didn't grow up terrible, but there were some things I really wanted to change. I remember being pregnant, and I had to quit. You know, you have to quit drinking, and you have to quit. And I was like, I didn't love being pregnant the first time; it was really <laughs> hard for me. But i I started really changing, um, really growing, really working on myself from that moment forth, and really diving into a lot of my trauma and and, and really learning how to to fa- I had to relearn how to cope without alcohol or other things, Um, how to process emotions without hiding them. And it was the best thing that I ever had to do. And so fast forward, you know, to I had my other daughter, they're six years apart. Oh, I went back to school when Shirley was two to get my teaching degree. Because I was bartending for a while, which is great in Montana because it's a, you know, we get paid minimum wage and tips and that's great. But I was like, Shirley was born. I was like, I got to go do something. So I went back to school and got my elementary ed degree and my special ed um, minor. Um, and so we both started kindergarten together. She went to kindergarten. And I started oh. teaching. Kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> and I was pregnant with my second kid at that time. And so I just really, you know, I started teaching and then energy healing. You know what? There's, there's always been something in me and that is known that I'm, I'm, they say that you sometimes you feel that calling. It's just a calling. It's like this voice in you that you're meant to do great things, that you have a message to share, that you are supposed to be doing something. You know, sometimes you just don't know what it is, right? I've always had that calling, always, always, always. And the more I healed myself, the more I worked on myself healing, the more it's clear that that really was able to come out, you know, because honestly the more I started to love myself. Right. I mean, that's really unconditional love is the first is the step and it takes years and it's hard. But when you get to that point, then you start gaining that um, confidence and knowing your worth and knowing you do have something to give. Right. I did a Reiki course online because I always have felt I'm empathic and I've always felt people's energy. I've always been able to help people. I've always had this knack for knowing what people need to hear for being able to be honest without judgment, which I later found was compassion. So I, God, this was like three years ago. I took a online Reiki course, uh, became a master and sat on it <laughs> for a long time, like four months. And then all of a sudden one day, and I was really working on myself, learning how to really connect into my intuition, really learning how to connect in to myself. I mean, all healing, just getting energy work done myself, really just facing my shadows head on. Right. And so one morning I woke up and I heard this voice and it was like, you better call. I have a friend who owns a salon in town. She's like, you better call her. You better ask her about that room or someone's going to do what you want to do. And I was like, okay. So I called her that day, got the room, started working. And I just loved energy healing. It just, you know, the more I've done it, the more I've, I've healed, the more I've been able to figure out what it is. I, my special sauce in it, right. My approach. And then from that, I mean, I I brought in my art and so I do intuitive art and I actually am starting a class, you know, this Sunday using art to teach people how to work through fear and get in touch with their intuition. And I mean, it's just really branded into this place that I'm really at today, but it's taken a lot of being honest with yourself and working through.
0: Thank you for sharing all that. That was such an amazing story. So many good things. I'll try to remember everything I wanted to <laughs> so about No, I didn't want to interrupt you because I just, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Oh, I was like you. totally into your story. Mm-hmm. So I would love to go back a little bit to when you were talking about, you realized you were codependent because that was also a turning point for me in my life. And once I realized that it was living for everyone else and trying to please everyone else and I just would love to know how would you tell my listeners if they're trying to figure out if they're codependent, what are some things they could look for to figure that out?
1: Well, you know, like I said, I was going to Al-Anon meetings and Al-Anon is, I mean, I'm not trying to plug them, but it it changed my world. You know, it's for people who either have had parents that are alcoholics or addicts. It's for people that have husbands, you know, that are in a relationship somehow, a close relationship with alcohol or addicts. And so I started going, it's almost like you are living for someone else, okay? So it's like you are changing who you are. You are changing your emotional expression to meet the emotional needs of others because you want to help them. And this, I'm going quote, unquote, help them because you are not helping them. But you want to change them. You want to help them. You you Here it is. The main thing being codependent is that you want to fix people, but you want to do it in the not- the correct way, right? You, it's like you almost immerse yourself in their life because you think that they can change, but you forget to ask yourself if they want to change. And that is a, that is a big thing about codependency. Um, enabling people is a big thing in codependency. They keep doing things and you keep going, oh, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to work on this. We're going to work on this. And it's like they keep slapping you in the face and you keep putting your face out there. <laughs> you know, but <and> it
0: hurts. <laughs> yeah, I think what's really important that for me when I was going through all of this and even to remind myself of it now, is that we're all on our own journey. and what I think is best for someone may not be what's best for them. just because I would do things a certain way doesn't mean that's how they came into this world to do things.
1: No, it's absolutely right. In fact, I tell my clients all the time, we're all here to live our own journeys. And actually when you're trying to shield people from pain, when you're trying to shield them from their own lessons, you're actually hindering their growth. You're not doing them a favor. You're, you're actually hurting them. Uh, Not purposely. I'm not using it. Like don't go do the shame spiral, but the truth without judgment is you're, you're hurting their growth because they have to learn their own lessons. They have to feel their own pain and joy and sorrow. Um, Otherwise they're never going to learn and they're never going to grow. And that's hard. That is a hard lesson to learn. We can't fix them. It's actually crossing a boundary too, because they might not want our help. We think they need it, but they might not think they need it. Yeah. You know, great
0: point. So you also mentioned a little bit about unconditional love, which I think is so huge. And even like talking about changing other people, if we don't accept and love ourselves unconditionally as we are, we will never be able to help anyone else. We might think we can, but we really can't. So what are some things that you did to kind of see your own self-worth and gain that confidence when you were going through everything?
1: I did a lot of shadow work. Shadows are those things that we keep hidden, like those parts of ourselves that we don't want people to see. Those those parts of ourselves that we're almost um, afraid of judgment for, and we keep them hidden in the closet, in the dark. Honestly, we need to invite them to tea. We need to invite them into the light. We need to give them a hug. We need to embrace them because those are parts of ourselves. And what's happening is we have judgment. Judgment is in the way. So the first thing I would start working on is judgment, judgment with ourselves and judgment with others. Judgment is an opinion. And that's why compassion, compassion is truth without judgment. You need to live in truth. Absolutely. We need to see those parts of ourselves that maybe we need to work on making a better version of, but we can still love them in the process because we have to live in the moment. Okay. It's like art, right? Art is a process. I, I, t- I talk to kids about this all the time. You know, people see Jackson Pollock who invented action painting, who threw paint on a canvas and people are like, I could do that. And it's like, well, you can now, but he invented the process of doing that. And so life is like the process and art, the, the, the finished piece that's icing on the cake, but it's, how do you get there? What is the process, right? We have to love the process. We have to learn to, to live in truth and see it, but also love who we are. And so we have to start getting rid of that judgment, Um, judgment of others. Actually, when we start judging others, stop and ask yourself, oh man, what is it about this person that is triggering me? And really, it's a shadow. It's a shadow of your own that you need to pull out and look at because you're judging yourself for the same thing. You just don't know it. You know, we have this consciousness about ourselves. But then there's these thoughts in the subconscious that take over. And so to start pulling those thoughts from the subconscious, we have awareness is key. And we have to do it in grace and compassion and love because we're not here to beat ourselves up, but we are here to start noticing that truth. And so those shadows, um, that's how you start kind of noticing them, you know, and then you just invite them and you give them a hug and you, you, you heal them. I mean, you just have to love unconditional love is loving yourself as you are right now, like you said, and that's it. I mean, not except for not, well, I will in a couple of weeks after I do this to make myself better. No, it's right now. The moment is right now. You're missing life when you do that. And so we have to start becoming comfortable with our emotions. We have to know that this is a rocky process. Sometimes it's good too, to take yourself out of the equation. How would you treat your best friend going through this? How would you treat your kids going through this and keep reminding yourself of that? Now, like I said, this is bringing awareness. So this is not going to happen overnight. This is little moments of like, maybe you catch yourself beating yourself up and you go, wait, stop. Not today. And then 10 minutes later, you catch yourself beating yourself up and you go, wait, stop. Not today. Um, When I was working through my anxiety, I, I, had to repeat to myself what other people think of me is none of my business because my anxiety was a fear of judgment from others and this really debilitating fear. I said a hundred times a day at first, and then it got less and it got less and it got less. And then, so it's like knowing that you're not going to do everything because we're perfect as we are right now. It's okay to be who you are. I mean, my God, that's what the world needs. They need you authentically. And with that comes those parts of yourself that you want to work on and that's okay. But we, we have to Start small, You just start small, enjoy your life, enjoy your moments. You know, a lot of us want everything right now. Like I want my business to be successful now. <laughs> <In> reality, <laughs> I've got two kids and I have another job and I, I need to take care of myself too. Right. And so we start learning these things. You just, you start small and you learn grace with yourself. Grace is having compassion and forgiveness, even if we don't think it's deserved. That
0: all of that everything you said. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it all. I think, yeah, I, I really love that saying what other people think of me is none of my business. You know, I think that has gotten me through a lot also so to just, yeah. And you just tell yourself that as many times as you need to, I teach that to my kids. I teach it to anyone that will listen to me. So I'm right on board with you. I think the other thing that you mentioned is about judgment of yourself and others, but the biggest thing you can do. And the biggest thing you can learn is to just notice it because that is going to change everything. If you don't even notice it, you're obviously, you can't even get to where you're trying to go. Noticing it is going to be the catapult for changing everything. So do you have any tips for how someone might be able to stop and notice whether they're judging themselves? or judging others in the moment, like, is there a, like almost like a pattern interrupt that people could do other than just having the intention of going about their lives? Yeah. Thinking like, okay, I'm going to really be aware of this.
1: No, absolutely. There's a few things, you know, and you said, I mean, the key word, one, the first step is practicing being in the moment. Okay. That's the first step because you're really not aware of the moment until you're able to come in To the moment, and it's practice. I mean, everything in life is practice. Patience is practice. Not judging is practice. I mean, think about walking was practice at one point. I mean, everything we do takes practice. Art takes practice. Playing basketball takes practice, right? It's no different with our healing as well. It's all practice. So, practicing being in the moment is really big. You know, some things I do to be in the moment is I really literally stop and I smell the flowers. If I'm walking by a tree, lilacs are my favorite. They only happen for like three weeks out of the year, but I'll stop. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) Same (laughs) here. you smell them, right? Or you stop. I live in a beautiful city. And so if I'm driving down the road, I stop and I make sure to notice the beauty that I'm surrounded by. I mean, you can do it anywhere. You know, New York is beautiful. The buildings, I mean, there is beauty in everything. So stop and notice the beauty. And the more you just practice being in the moment, the more you're going to able, like be able to practice hearing your thoughts. Okay. And another thing that you can do, I tell my clients to do this actually, when they're working on their emotional, like noticing their emotions, um, being their emotional expression, when they're working on their emotional expression, you set an alarm on your phone or your watch. And when that alarm goes off, maybe just notice the thoughts in your head right? Are you beating yourself up right now? Are you shame spiraling? Which Brene Brown is amazing at explaining shame spiraling. Uh, The Gifts of Imperfection was a great book. And it opened my eyes to that because now I'm able to be like, oh my God, I'm shame spiraling. Nope, not doing that, right? Because shame is a lie. But anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, (laughs) But maybe setting an alarm, you know, maybe once an hour at first or once. I, I mean, really, it's like just a buzzing alarm to go, oh, what am I doing now? What are my thoughts? Oh, I'm sitting here wasting my time. Judgment on this person, which I am not saying that out of judgment for you because we all do it I still catch myself as deep into my healing journey as I am I catch myself doing it, but i'm now able because of my tools and the practice to go whoop, And then I don't beat myself up for it because my god. I wasn't doing it on purpose I, I know I have a kind heart. I guess that's another thing So set the alarm and start creating those moments of awareness for yourself like forcing them. Okay um, or every time you pass a certain landmark in your town, or every time you walk to your car. I mean, you can even set those things. You know, every time you're doing the dishes, what am I thinking? And once you just even set that intention, your brain's gonna go, oh, what am I thinking? So those, those little things. And then when you come from a place of light and love in your heart, okay, when you are coming from this place of kindness, wherever that is for you in that moment, you aren't in the wrong. You're not intentionally trying to be a jerk. You're not intentionally trying to make a mistake or to do it. You, you're you coming from a place of love. And until we learn to come from that place of love and, and live in that place and learn to make those mistakes, we're never going to truly learn how to step into ourselves either. And so you have to be willing to make mistakes and risk that failure. And, and, and I failure I use as a word, but it's not a bad thing. You just have to risk it and then go, oh, that's another, those are those other moments of aha. Oh, shoot. Okay. I did this from love but man, it didn't make me feel good. We also start feeling things in our body, right? That's your intuition. Your most basic intuition is like, when you get that icky feeling, it's not right. Or when you get that ping, I get a zing in my skin, right? Those zings, those like, your skin might light up or you might just get this feeling of of joy. That's when things are going right. And that's when you start learning how to tap into that. But yeah, just learning to listen and go, okay, that didn't feel right. Okay, hmm. how can I change this next time? Okay. Do I need to make any amends? Like, did I cross any boundaries? Okay. Sorry. Did not mean to cross your boundary. And then you let it go like a balloon in the air. And you just trust, trust is another keyword, which is a whole podcast in itself. You trust that you're going to make the choice that you want to the next time. And then you try again and you practice.
0: Those are all such great tips. I love them all. I'm going to write them all down. When I (laughs) re-listen to this, (laughs) I, you know, and like you said, as far as I am on my healing journey, I still do find myself sometimes I'm like, Oh, Heather, why'd you do that? But then I try not to beat myself up. I just, I'm like, okay, wait, hold on. I'm noticing it. And I'm going to redirect for next time. You know, I love that you brought up shadow work because I think that judgment and shadow work are so closely tied together and they're, you know one and the same if my listeners have any interest in shadow work and have not yet read dark side of the light chasers by debbie ford that that book blew my mind and you know what i would say about shadow work is that it can be scary going into it because like you said you're bringing up all the the dirty laundry essentially of all the things you don't like about yourself but what shadow work does is really puts you in a space to acknowledge it and bring those shadows into the light so that you can see them for what they really are and not the stories you've been telling yourself around those things. So I absolutely love that you brought it up because I think shadow work is by far one of the things that shifted my world.
1: Absolutely. And when, think about it, when you're hiding these parts of yourself, you're hiding them not only from yourself, but from others. And that fear that's that fear that someone is going to notice them and they're going to judge them, that creates anxiety. So when you do the shadow work and you bring them into the light and you hug them and you learn to love them, then when others see them, you're not as worried. You're not as scared because you already love that part of yourself. And then you start to realize that their judgment of you, well, that's their own shadows that they need to work on. And honestly, I think about it as like when I bring my big energy or when I'm, being vulnerably who I am. If someone gets uncomfortable, which with big energy, people get uncomfortable and that's just the way it is. I'm actually helping them heal because I'm helping them bring their own shadows. and whether they're choosing to know that or not, that's not my, that's not for me. And I'm doing it from a place of kindness, but I'm helping them, you know?
0: So we've talked a lot about energy today and kind of energy healing for my listeners who maybe aren't familiar. What is energy healing? What are you actually doing in a case where you are healing someone with energy?
1: I love it so much. And if you've never had it done, I suggest, you know, looking into it. But Energy healing is we're all made of energy. Okay. Everything is made of energy. I mean, this is science. Okay. This is fact. Energy healing gets this. Reputation of being woo woo. Okay, people love to hear like use that word, but really, it's based in science at the very core of it. Okay, so when I walk into an energy healing session, uh, and I used to call it Reiki because Reiki is a form of energy healing. It's the universal energy that surrounds us. Or it comes from Japan, but I just realized that I was doing so much more, and so I call my, mine as intuitive energy healing. And so when I walk into a session, I set the intention that whatever my client needs, they get. Um, whatever I need to see or hear, I do. I do, and that um, they get exactly what they need, nothing more, nothing less, with peace and ease. And then I start. I start working, and I move intuitively uh, where I need to go. And a lot of it is trust. But the most basic thing that people get out of it, I we we have a chakra system. There's really like 209 or something, but we focus on seven and balance. I, I think of them as disks in the computer. Okay. When the di- when one disc isn't running correctly, it affects the the discs, of all the other ones, right? And so we balance those out. Um, and I believe each person's balance is different than others. There's lots of beliefs there, but I, I balance them specifically for you, and that can create, you know, if you're ever feeling out of whack, lost, uh, floaty, you know, just off, don't have any clarity, you know, like like murky water almost. Um, Balancing your chakras could really help. And so I work on balancing that. I actually work on blocks. You know, I can see blocks and energy blocks come in different forms of like emotions. We haven't felt trauma that we hold in our body. And this is all science too. If you've ever read the body keeps the score, right? I mean, it, trauma sits in our body. Um, and so I work on releasing those if it's time. It's just really a balancing out of of you know, your energies, letting go of that, which doesn't serve you. I personally will see messages for people. Uh, I'll hear, you know, like if you're struggling at something in life, I'll I'll see like an image. Like one time, I saw this person trying to push this rock. And they they were pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. But the thing about it was they could have gone around it or over it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. the messages like that will come to me, and I'll see spirit or universe, whatever words you're comfortable with, or God or higher power. They communicate with you in a way that you're going to understand, and so. I'll see just different images like that and like a sailboat. You know, whenever I see a sailboat, I know that it's like, well, you can't control the wind, but you can control where you you steer your boat. Right. And so these are messages people see. I see animals a lot, which carry their own um, spiritual meaning. People walk out of my room feeling relaxed is the most basic. I like to help. I like to do multiple sessions because I like to help people in their growth journey as far as like, let's, what's the next step in your growth journey? Let's clear and work on what you're struggling now. Let's, Let's clear the energy around the beliefs that you're struggling with so you can take action and and literally change that belief that you don't even know you have. Maybe I'm bringing things from their subconscious into their conscious, right? That's a lot of it too. Like, oh, did you know you have this belief that you're unworthy? Let's work on that because we're all born worthy or, you know, and those bottom beliefs. And so people have come to me for all sorts of reasons, but balance and a feeling of well-being, anxiety really it's, it's just so beneficial in your healing journeys because it it helps almost reset you. And it's like working with a coach almost, you know, for at least with me, it's, it's having someone to bounce to almost show you what you haven't been ready to see yet, or you haven't been able to see in yourself. Mm. It's like helping you to figure out what that next step in your journey is.
0: Yeah. That's such important work. And I think everyone should have energy healing and clearings done. And like you said, working through the chakras and like, it's all such important work that so many people just, they either don't know about it or they don't think about it
1: or they haven't found their, their person. So sometimes like you go to someone and you're like, Oh, I didn't love that. And it's not that they're terrible what they do. They're not a fit for you. Think about like your hairdresser. You wouldn't just go to any hairdresser. I mean, if you're a woman, you would, I, you know what I mean? Maybe you do, but, or your doctor or. I mean, you have to find your right fit. And so I do encourage those that have done it once and they're like, oh no, uh uh-uh, maybe try again, just give it another shot with someone else because our energies, maybe they just didn't work with the person you were there and that's okay. That is not a judgment.
0: Great advice. Before I let you go, I want to switch gears just a little bit to talk about your art. So I know that you go by artfully intuitive and I would
1: like to know what does that mean to you? Artfully intuitive, you know, when I was starting my business, because oh, I officially started my business, oh God, maybe a year ago, officially, um, I was like, oh, what name should I do? And my sister's really good at that stuff. And she's like, her, she actually can hear my guides better than me sometimes, which is amazing to have, right? And she's like, I'm just hearing artfully intuitive. And I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. And it's developed. The meaning is actually developed. So they were right. But for me now, I actually believe in using art. We're all here to be creative beings. Okay. That is whatever your creation is, but when you're creating from your soul, your energy and your light is radiating into the world. Right. And so that's what we're here to do. We're here to be creative beings. And so through art, I believe that that is how we can learn to get in touch with that intuitive spot in us. When you create, you actually are in the same spot that you uh, need to be in when you're trying to uh, connect into yourself and your inner compass, and so it's this one and the same. And so, artfully intuitive to me is just—it's that space. It's—it's it's learning to uh, create your own way. Okay, a, a lot of us look for validation outside of ourselves if what we're doing is right. And actually, when you do that, you're giving your power away. So, when we learn that, honestly, we have to look into our own inner compass. We have to we have to do what we know is right because we're all here to do it our own unique way. And we're like, I, I, I literally see puzzle pieces that fit together. And when you find your puzzle piece, when you're, when you're listening to yourself and to your intuition, to your highest self, and to your guides and to the universe, that puzzle piece starts fitting into that collective and we're all adding what we need to add. When you start learning to connect into yourself and create from that place, that's when you really start changing the world too. And so artfully intuitive is all of that.
0: That's so beautiful. So I am a Dharma and creativity coach, which is why I love what you do and everything you said resonated with me. I've done some workshops with people where we create an art journal throughout the workshop. And it really, for me, what I'm trying to teach them is that's almost like, it's almost a type of meditation because you're so in the moment of what you're doing and you can't really let your mind wander too far. It can, of course, go, but it will come back because you're so into creating this beautiful piece of art for yourself or for someone else. And I think there's such a beautiful tie between art, creativity, and what our soul came here to do. And so I love that that's what you do. I know you said you're starting a program soon. What do you do in that program?
1: I'm starting two programs. My art program is, um, it's called Essence Art. And we're, we're actually starting this Sunday and I'm going to run it for six weeks, but we're going to learn how to use art to start to trust in ourselves, uh, to push past fear, to risk failure, to really connect in, to pull things from the subconscious that we might not know. It's, it's going to be learning how to, to create, but part of learning how to create is learning how to trust in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that's that and then my essence program which is my big program. Embodies that all of that. But it also embodies, you know, my my passion is helping people step authentically into themselves and have that unconditional love and so I do that, you know, through art, through shadow work, through everything that I've talked about, through my coaching and energy healing. And so my big program embodies just everything, you know, and it's intuitively led. So I believe a lot in, intu- in intuitively led things. And so for me, whoever joins the program, uh, it's also based around what you need. And I'm intuition. And like I said, I'm an empath. And a lot of people think that that is a curse, which sometimes it is until you learn that it's not. It helps me to really be able to tap in and know what people need.
0: Yeah, I am also an empath. And I've actually done an episode <laughs> or two about being an empath and the different kinds there are. And mm-hmm. I did. I used to think it was a curse because it I didn't know how to harness that power. Once I learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the most beautiful gift anyone could ever have.
1: Absolutely. But it's scary when you can't because um you can feel it all. I mean, you have to learn how to protect yourself when you are empathic. But man, it is. It's such a beautiful gift. And when you step into your role as the healer, whatever way they may be, you know, I mean, lawyers or healers, everybody, you can be a healer, but when you step into that path, learning to harness that is pretty amazing. Amazing. So
0: I know we talked about it a little bit already, but
1: where's the best place people can find you? Facebook or Instagram, really, you know, uh, Monica, Momica, not Monica, but Momica in the Raw is my Instagram handle. Um, and then Artfully Intuitive LLC or Monica Schwenman on Facebook, Messenger. I'm connected to my Messenger. So look me up there or my website. My website is honestly both handles go to it, but Momica in the Raw or Artfully uh, Okay, great. Both go. Yeah.
0: I will link all of that in the show notes. For my listeners, before I let you go, I like to ask my guests five rapid fire questions, meaning that you don't have to answer, have a short answer. Just answer the first thing that comes to your head when I ask you. What is something that makes you laugh? My kids. They're great for that, aren't they?
1: (laughs) They can make you cry too. Also
0: true. (laughs) Favorite way to show up for yourself as it relates to self-care. I love baths
1: taking a bath is something I can do at home. And it's simple. And it allows me to just take a moment. And I can lock my bathroom. They're like fifty the two doors in <laughs> my house that lock.
0: <laughs> Very important. <laughs> what is something you're excited about right now?
1: Oh, my goodness. it's, you know, the way that I'm going to be able to help people. It's all really coming into clarity. I've sat in thought for so long and knowing it was coming, but having, God, the universe was teaching me patience and trust for a lot of your time. And I've learned that. And it's um, it's just, I can see the ball picking up. Amazing. Yeah. If there was an extra hour in each day, what would you spend it doing? Yoga and meditation. Can, I mean, finding the time for those two. is So it's, it's difficult when you work a lot.
0: Yeah. As I've been picking up in my business, I've noticed my time for meditation has gotten almost non-existent to the point where I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling stressed. I know I need to sit my ass down and just meditate for a few minutes.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, really you could do it in five minutes. You don't have to have that time, but man, if I could have 30 minutes for yoga and 30 minutes for meditation in the morning, that would be awesome. All
0: right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self?
1: Just be yourself and quit worrying, like, quit worrying about what people think about you.
0: I think that's such a great advice for everybody on the Mm -hmm. planet. (laughs) If people would just stop worrying about other people so much, also, I think it's important. Other people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are.
1: (laughs) No, they're not. Like, and when you're empathic, a point I should make, and you probably made it, is you can feel what other people are feeling. So you think it's about you, and it's not. They could be annoyed at their. Husband, or their kid, or their plant that's not growing, or, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Monica, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so happy to have talked to you today. And I can't wait for my listeners to meet you.
1: Thank you for this opportunity. It was really awesome. Thanks for doing what you do. This is great. Thanks.
0: I enjoyed chatting with Monica today. I really love talking about codependency because I think it can be so eye-opening to realize the role that we play when our relationships aren't what we want them to be. Understanding that everyone is on their own journey and that you may not know what is best for them or what they need to learn in this lifetime can completely shift your perspective and how you approach every conversation. Learning this has changed all of my relationships for the better, and I hope it does the same for you. Here are five key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, unconditional love of yourself is always the first step on everyone's healing journey. Once you figure out how to love yourself and see your own self-worth, you gain the confidence to be who you have always been before others told you who to be. Number two. If you feel like you are living for someone else, whether that is by trying to get them to do what you want them to do or by rearranging your entire life to make others' lives easier or happier, you may fall into the codependent category. If you are changing who you are to meet the emotional needs of others, consider the role codependency plays in your life. You may think you are trying to help them, but ultimately you are trying to change others in a way that is acceptable to you. Number three, shadows are the things that we keep hidden, the parts of ourselves that we don't want others to see and that we don't acknowledge about ourselves. Shadow work is taking these things and bringing them out into the light. Seeing those things as part of who we are as our beautiful selves releasing the judgment around those things and accepting them. Number four, life is like the process of making art. The finished piece is just the icing on the cake, but it's how you get to that finished piece that makes the journey meaningful. Live in your truth and see it for what it is, and you will love who you are. Number five, it's okay to be who you are. You are perfect as you are right now. The world needs you to show up authentically and it's okay to keep working on yourself during this process. And always remember what others think of you is none of your business. Thanks so much to Monica for joining me on this episode. You can find all her links in today's show notes. And if you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would give it a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by prompts to purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts inside. You'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about.